0: This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. Father, we just uh, thank you so much for what we're doing in our midst. We just, right now, we just look at Cameron and Sandra. Cameron is probably coming on to speak about the same time. So, Father, I just pray an the over his voice and over his mind and over his heart. Father, we thank you that that is another family of God in And God, we just bless them this morning. We ask for your grace to come upon them that you would begin to change things in their lives as well, just as you're going to change things for us today. God, we just welcome your presence in this room. Father, I just pray that your word would come forth this morning with such clarity and power, Lord God, that it would hit the mark of people's eyes, Lord God, that it would break off every lie of the enemy. And Father, that this morning something would shift, that change would happen, that we would move forward into the depths of your spirit that you are calling us to. God, we thank you that you make us brave. Change things for good. And uh, God, we just thank you that we can lean on you, that we don't have to be afraid of change, because we can hand it over into your most capable hands. And we can watch you move and perform miracles. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. And, and uh, speaking of those miracles, again, we're just watching what God has done in Diana and Joe's family at this moment. Literally and miracle uh, in our lives. And, and um, as I was saying in the prayer room earlier, that when miracles happen, it's a sign. It's a sign of the kingdom of God entering into earth. It's a sign of the kingdom of God coming upon a people in, in a, a flesh way. And we don't worship the miracles. We worship the God of the miracles. So it's a sign that points to God. So uh, with that testimony, what God is doing in John is Family, it's a sign that God is moving, that God is up to something. And this morning, I'm going to be talking. I'm going to be giving a sermon on change. And um, I'm just going to kind of get right into this. This is not a teaching message, so I'm not going to be teaching line upon line precept upon precept this morning. This is a prophetic message. This is a prophetic declaration of what I believe God is saying that what what He is doing now. Not only uh, here at IMPACT, but around the world, I believe there is a shift and there is a change that's happening. I'm going to be reading from Luke 1, 8-20, and some of you guys will recognize it, because the does it, you know, it plan. Uh, but that's actually what I'm going to be starting with this morning. Uh, and then I'm going to be reading from Luke 1, 57-64. I'm sorry that it's a, it's a bit much, it's a, it's a large portion of scripture, but I won't be quoting a lot of scripture straight the rest of the message. Once when Zachariah's vision was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by law, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zachariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zachariah answered, "Ask the angel, how can I be sure of this?" I'm And not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. And Luke 1:57-64 says this: When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zachariah. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he is to be called John. They said to her, There is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John. Immediately his mouth was open and his tongue was loose, and he began to speak, praising God. And um, you know, Pastor Cameron was talking about when he was. With a reading plan. He said, you know, you know, it's an easy reading plan. You can read three chapters a day. He said, but as you're reading it, you know, if you get stuck on a verse or you get stuck on a few chapters, you know, don't worry about the fact that you're kind of getting behind a little bit. You know, you might get stuck on something, and that's okay. Well, I've been stuck on this scripture uh, since then. And um, I've just been praying and asking, God, you know, one uh, when you know, Zechariah was struck silent because he didn't believe the word of the Lord in that moment. But then he went home and Elizabeth got pregnant. And of course, all during her pregnancy it's rather (laughs) self-evident when somebody is pregnant that obviously God's promise was true. So I was contemplating, you know, why was it that Zechariah was still (laughs) struck silent? Why was it that it wasn't until the baby was born that, um, and that he declared the name John uh, over this baby, that suddenly his tongue was loose and he was then able to speak. Because you know he would have been, you know, as, as Elizabeth was pregnant, he would have been going, you know, okay, God, I believe you. I believe that what you said to me in the when I was burning the incense is true. I believe your promises. Um, but why am I still silent? And I believe. This passage actually speaks of a prophetic alignment. We heard, members, Pastor Cameron speaking on Vision Sunday that God was prophetic. We were in a a time of prophetic alignment, and uh, Zachariah too was in that place of prophetic alignment. So when he saw the promises of God was evident, and he began to believe, Uh, but it wasn't until he actually proclaimed the baby's name as John. I believe what was happening is that as John was prophetically aligning with God during the pregnancy, and he began to go, "Yes, God, I believe those promises." That when it says that when the proper time came, that that is when he declared the name of the baby as being John. That was God's proper time. And when we prophetically align with God, God prophetically aligns with us. Suddenly there comes a moment where it's the proper time, and the Bible describes um, something in the Greek called the kairos time. It's it's the timing of God. It's it's the moment in time when something is happening now. And I believe that this year, um, as we prophetically align with God, God too is coming coming to us as an impact church. Perhaps you as an individual, as a family, I believe it's regionally, I believe it's globally. God is coming to say, when you prophetically align with me, I'm ready to begin to prophetically align with my people because the time is now. And I I really believe that, you know, in that song that we were singing earlier this, this morning, it says, no fear can hinder now the promises you've made. I believe that for some of you, you've been afraid to uh, completely believe the promises of God over you, and you have been silent in many ways, that you have not really been stepping into and decreeing and declaring those promises of God. But I believe he's saying this morning that you don't have to fear anymore uh, because the promises that God has made is about to come to pass. And when we look at, you know, John the Baptist, he was actually one of the most trans. Uh, the most important figures in the Bible. Jesus himself actually said he is the greatest man that has ever lived. And when you think about that, you think, well, John the Baptist was, he had a ministry for six months and then he was beheaded. How is it possible that he was the greatest man to, to live on earth? And it's because from the Old Testament to the New Testament, from Malachi to Matthew, From Malachi to Luke, as the Gospels are, declaring the same thing as the message of Jesus Christ, just said by different perspectives. So from Malachi to Matthew to Luke, there was 400 years of silence of God. It's not that he wasn't moving. He was behind the scenes. He was orchestrating events. He was, he was changing kingdoms from the east to the west. He was changing cultures from the Persian culture to the Greek and the Roman culture. He was changing people from the Old Testament sacrificial system to what he wanted to bring forth in the New Testament uh, system. And so when, when John came about, Zachariah, when, uh, when he was in burning the incense, That was the first time anyone had actually heard the voice of God in a long time. So it's no wonder that Zachariah was afraid that his angel came and spoke to him because they hadn't had the voice of a God coming and speaking to them in in multiple years. And so then when John the Baptist was on the scene, he's actually the last of the Old Testament prophets, entering into the New Testament. So literally he had one foot in the Old Testament positional figure, this one that was hoping to make a change from the old into the new. And literally he was hoping to proclaim that the kingdom of God was coming on earth, that he was not just going to be coming upon people, that he was going to be working inside, inside of people. And um, what I believe God is wanting to declare this year is what's about to be born this year is about to be we promises of God, and we have even seen the pregnancy of those promises and those prophetic words. But God is about to loosen our tongues that we might begin to decree and declare their birth and to give it the name. So this morning, what's rising up in your heart right now, what you're hearing in your mind, something that you've been believing for for years. I believe God is saying to you, he wants you to begin to rise up. He wants to loose your tongue. And he wants you to begin to decree and declare that particular promise and to give it a name. So what I would say to you this morning is, what is the name God wants you to decree and declare? He gave uh, Zechariah and he gave Elizabeth what the name of that child should be. And I know over at Impact Church, the prophets have come and they have decreed and declared, this is the house of restoration. So as Impact Church, we need to be rising up, aligning with God's prophetic word, as God aligns with us, because the proper time is now to decree and declare, restoration. Restoration, restoration, restoration. That is the name over this church this is what God has prophetically promised. This is what God is wanting to birth in and through this place. Restoration. And for those that, you know, some of you have heard, uh, heard to my story. And I'm very careful about sharing my story at different times because um, my mother is still alive. She doesn't know my, my full story. And um, last Sunday when I was ordained, it was a, it was a time of full restoration my voice, and tried to steal my call at the age of three. And, and again, I can't declare exactly why that was so. I do those in private settings because this will go on the internet. Um, but God was completely restoring what the enemy was trying to steal from me at the age of three. Last Sunday, when I was ordained as a pastor to preach the message of God, God said, I And then I believe that that sign wonder Oh, for 2016, and I find that a interesting as well, because God says, I will establish the Word by two or three I think that's absolutely amazing about what God is doing, that He is transforming, He's accelerating, He's changing people, He's changing circumstances, He's changing the, the Church, He's changing the body of Christ. And um, I just wanted to talk about, for those who know me, um, you know that I like the symbol of a butterfly. And yeah, there's a reason for that, and that was because in November of 2011, that began to really speak to me about a move of God that was going to come. It was literally going to be like the, the change of a, of a caterpillar into a butterfly. And, and as you know, butterflies are beautiful, but they don't start out that way, and they go into a good and so they go into a silent time. But in that silent time, things accelerate until there is a complete and utter transformation and change. Literally, the cells within that caterpillar are changed. Let me read you something, actually. It's from um, a scientist, Um, for those who don't know, I've written a book, and in that book, um, I've written about this analogy. This scientist, his name is Dr. Lincoln Bauer, and he says this, so these little groups of cells start developing fairly early in the caterpillar's life, but then they stall, and so they're just in there waiting Totally rebuilt. It's like you took your car, a Ford, into the shop and left it there for a week, and it came out as a catalog. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> Alive. Yeah. Okay. 2 Corinthians 3 and 18 says this, and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into Change. But when God changes something, he always changes it for good. In the Old Testament, the sacrificial system was changed to the New Testament where repentance and forgiveness of sins by one ultimate sacrifice, Jesus the Lamb of God. That's a good change. That's what we proclaim. That's what we're here today. you will begin to see change in your life and in your relationships and in your circumstances. He changed uh, from Malachi to Matthew, he changed the concept of silence to speaking. From speaking to and through some to speaking to and through everyone. All of you here are sitting in a a dispensation of, of a move of God where he lives inside of us where you don't have to wait for a prophet to come and to speak to you. You get to just just even in your heart right now, you can be lifting up to him and talking to him, and he will speak to you and he'll speak through you to somebody else. Isn't that absolutely amazing? He he moved us from a changes from a people fighting for the kingdom of God to arrive on earth to fighting from the kingdom of God. You know, this morning here, we're sitting, for those who have accepted Jesus Christ this morning, literally the kingdom of God has come into our lives and it's changing us. We don't have to fight for that kingdom of God to come. The kingdom of God is already here and it's in us, so we fight from the kingdom of God. We get to come, we get to occupy, not maintain, we get to advance. We get to kick out the enemy because the kingdom of God is here. We get to bring the kingdom of God on earth. Isn't that a privilege and an honor to be doing this morning? That is a good change. God changed us from slavery to adoption. Wow. From being orphaned and alone and abandoned and seemingly forgotten. God moved us from slavery to adoption and he does that. Here this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ. That's what He does for us. He comes and He delivers us. He saves us. He saves us from being in slavery to what the enemy would have for us to do, in slavery even to what we think we want to do. He moves us into a family of God. He adopts us, adopts us and He says, I want to be your father. You're the, the enemy has not been taking care of you. He's been stealing and killing and destroying your life. But now that you're adopted, And provide for you, and I won't steal from you, I will give to you, I won't kill from you, kill you, I will give you life. That's good news. That is very, very good news. He brings us from captivity into freedom. I believe we are on the brink of another mighty move of God. I'm decreeing and declaring today that I believe that God is saying that just as there was a mighty move from the Old Testament to the New Testament, from silence to finally speaking, from the Kingdom of God not there yet to the Kingdom of God there, that He is beginning to move. And I'm not talking about a revival. That's just a renewing of of a passion for Jesus. That's just a, a renewal of recognizing that the presence of God is in our lives, It's a new move of God. It's us as we prophetically align. God will prophetically align with us because it's the proper time, and because it's the proper time, we will begin to think, see things shift and shake and change and move. Yeah. Are you here this morning? Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. I see your head shaking. Yeah. That's right. I, I know. It's just God speaking to you. You're just taking Where the moral landscape is eroded to a point where change is not only necessary, but it is imminent. I just want to take a few minutes. I want to, I want to explain something. Um, I want to get a get a concept across. So historically, Christianity, it started out really, really well, first of course, with the apostles in the New Testament. And there was um, an inner change and a behavior change. And, um, they were not just Christians. They lived the Christian life. Right? There was, they were seen as so different because they began to live in such a way that, that people would look at them and they would say, there's something different about you. You don't live as, as the Roman culture. You're not living as the Greek culture. There's something different about you. And, and over time they were persecuted for that difference. And um, as you go through a church history, and I'm not going to delve into it deep, too deeply, I'm just going to kind of give a bit of an overview, that as you move through a church history, what you begin to see is that um, the, the seed of Christianity that was seeded in people, and then that changed their morals, it kind of got shifted to where um, Christianity was beginning to be mandated. Under a kingdom. So uh, if there was a king that was, say, Catholic, then you had to be Catholic. If there was a king that was Protestant, then that region had to be Protestant. So, uh, and as we know under Constantine, that he was the first one to bring in a mandated Christianity for his region. And when you mandate Christianity, what you end up getting is you get an outward behavior, but not an inward change. So, over all of the years, what we've been seeing, what we've been thinking, is a Christian society, a Christian nation, is merely a mandated Christian nation and not an inner moral change, Christianity. So, right now, we're seeing the moral landscape erode. And we're looking at that and we're going, oh, wouldn't it better if we were back in the old times where people didn't lie and they did the right thing and they got, you know, they got before for the babies and they got. and and all of these these different things that are happening in our society right now. We're we're lamenting about what is past, but we're perhaps missing what God is doing. What I want to put forth this morning is that is it possible that God is just revealing that, that, that inability to interchange so we're seeing what has been there all along that God has always known that there was a, a seemingly moral society, but not a saved society. I believe what God wants us to realize is we come and ask ourselves the question when we're dealing with our moral landscape right now do we want a moral society, or do we want a saved society? It's a saved society, amen. So, what? what's going to happen is, Christians need to rise up with that inner change. That we need to allow that inner change to happen so that the inner and the outer matches up and people are going to start to look at us because they don't know how to get there and they're going to start to see there's something different about you. What is it? It's because I have Jesus Christ in my life He gives me the grace and the strength to change. He's the one that gives me the ability to do what truth demands. He's the one that gives me the ability what I can't do. Jesus is the change. Amen? So historically, the moves of God require change. In the Old Testament, God drew his people and his slavery to meet with him at Mount Sinai. Do you guys remember that story? God takes the Israelites out of Egyptian bondage and he, he actually says, come worship me in the desert actually actually doesn't say, I'm going to take you to the Promised Land right away. He says, come and worship me in the desert. Come to Mount Sinai. And the reason why he did that was that he wanted those people to come to know him intimately before he took them into the Promised Land. Because sometimes if we don't know God intimately before we get the promises, then we, we have to seek more to worship the promises. Again. So for us as Impact Church to bring it down to what we're experiencing, is it possible that we've had a delay in our building because God is wanting to come. He's saying, come and meet with me at Mount Sinai, come and get to know my presence, come and get to know me intimately, so that when I do bring you the promise of the building, when I do bring you the promise of, of restoration and people coming from everywhere to be healed, you won't worship that promise, but you will still worship me. Yeah. Yeah. And I truly believe that God has been doing exactly that. He's been establishing his presence in a people so he can establish a people in Kingston. Let's keep calling out for the presence of God to come so that we can know him more, so he can then prophetically align with us for this proper time of restoration. And God told Moses when they came to Sinai. When he wanted to come down and meet with them, he told Moss, he said, tell the people to get ready because in three days I'm coming down on the mountain in the sight of all the people to meet with them. And they need to be cleaned, they need to be dressed and prepared to meet with me. And it's time for us to have change as well. It's time for us too to get ready morally have that inner change and that outer change so that we are getting ready, one, to be different than the moral landscape. To live in His presence. We need to get ready for His presence, we pour Him in a fresh way, and we need to get ready to live and be empowered by God. Isn't that an amazing call for us to get ready? He doesn't want us to be conformed to this world. He doesn't want us to be conformed to this culture. He wants us to be conformed to the kingdom culture of Jesus Christ. He wants us to get ready. And we read in Romans 12 and 2, this is one of the PowerPoint and the message. It says, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. God wants change in our moral landscape. Just as there's a change in the moral landscape in our culture, he wants to see a change in our moral, moral landscape so that we can receive and have his presence empowering us in the way that he would like to in this prophetic time. So God is looking for a heart change. Um, what I want to talk about is the difference between an ethical standard and a moral standard. So, um, just quickly, philosophy was not my, my greatest subject. I, I did well at it, but I didn't like it. It was a struggle to get through. As when you're, when you're studying philosophy, I don't know if there's any philosophers here, but um, it can bog you down really quickly in terms of, all right, yeah, that's a good question. And you end up going in this huge cycle, and basically, just to kind of bring it down to the the lowest denominator, Uh, when you study ethics and philosophy, basically it comes down to this. What's going to make a good life? And unfortunately, if you don't have an ethical standard that is based in a godly perspective, a godly ethical standard, what happens is you just keep going around and around in a circle trying to answer the question, well, what makes up a good life? And how can you define what good is? Because without God, you can't define what good is. Right? So with our, then the difference then between um, ethics, which is your standard of defining something, so defining what is good, then there's something that are morals. And morals are basically the behavior that are to line up with your ethical standard in order to uh, bring those two together so that your ethics are defining your morals. Correct? Okay. So then if you are a society that gets rid of God and you can't define good anymore, then your morals change. There's nothing to, there's no standard which your morals can line up with, so they just change according to whatever society is feeling in the moment. Right? So what we want to do is we want to make sure as Christians, if we're struggling with how our moral landscape is looking, What we have to do is we have to go back, what is our ethical standard? Are we basing our ethics, our standard, from a godly perspective on the word of God because only God can define what is good? When we do that, then our morals, our behaviors, will line up with our ethical standard. That makes sense? Awesome. Okay. So God wants not only just a behavior change, he wants an ethical standard change. He wants to set up his kingdom culture in in our hearts, and he wants to establish his kingdom culture through a people. So God is working right now. He wants His kingdom. He wants the kingdom of God to be working and moving. That's the movement of God. It's the kingdom culture moving. But He can't do that unless we have our ethical standard and our moral standard lining up with His kingdom culture, so that He can move in and through a people. Because we are to be a kingdom people, are we not? Our citizenship is in heaven, it's not on earth. You know, uh, tomorrow is Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And as we know, Martin Luther King Jr. said, I have a dream. And he had a dream to see, obviously, the, the black nation be able to live in freedom and just be humanity within the world. To have Not not to have their color looked at as as a problem, but just, I am a human being. I deserve to be free. And I believe that God this morning is saying, I too have a dream. And I I dream to see a movement of my presence and my glory sweep the earth from sea to sea for the earth to be filled with my presence. If we are going to change our world, we need to change our hearts. You know what? Um, that particular statement actually and actually to be honest actually kind of my my original ministry was called Rising rise and Shine ministries for those that don't know and it's a council ministry and recently God changed it to change ministries and, and, uh, and that was actually seated because of an interview that I heard um, actually somebody was interviewing one of the leaders in the gay movement down in the United States and um, they asked him you know how do how did you start this movement happening? And, um, and he said, you know what, we realized that what we were trying to do is we were trying to legislate behavior. So we were trying to go into the courts, we were trying to go into the legal system, we were trying to change things that way. But that wasn't working, What we realized what we had to do is we had to start to change parts. So funny enough, they started to visit churches. They started to find churches that would allow them to come in and start to to speak about uh, their lifestyle. And guess what? They started to change people's minds and hearts. Isn't that the enemy coming to steal and kill and destroy? But I believe that in this day and in this hour, there's a move of God. That He's coming and saying, I'm going to change hearts. It's going to be an interchange. And I'm not and I'm not killing and I'm not destroying, but I'm restoring and it's a full restoration. That if you will allow me to change the moral landscape of your heart, if you allow me to align you with my ethical standard, that you will begin to see a change. A change in hearts across this land. So I'm going to end with this. Um, So how do we cooperate with God? We cooperate with God by engaging with change? Basically, you lean into change. And uh, I think it, was, yeah, it was last week when Pastor Gary was talking about acceleration, my husband leaned over to me and said, in order to accelerate, you have to take your foot off the brake. That's good. We have here to preach. So in order to gain, engage with change, we want to lean into change. And sometimes, your foot off the brake. It means to acknowledge and accept that God is doing something, that you want to be a part of it and engage with it. Let it grow you. Let it challenge you. Let it improve you. Let it propel you uh, toward that abundant life that Jesus has provided for you on the cross. Secondly, you want to embrace change. You want to encircle and surround change. Allow change to become your friend instead of your foe. Embrace change through choosing to heal and moving forward. And instead of allowing your past to dictate your future, allow God to dictate your future. Number two, so you want to encounter change, which means you want to pursue an unchangeable God. That's the last reason why you do not have to be afraid of change, because in the midst of your change, you're leaning on an unchangeable God. God changes circumstances, but his nature never changes. So in the midst of your changing circumstances, you can rest and rely on God's unchangeable nature, and you can rest secure and trusting in that nature. He will give you the the strength and the grace and the empowerment to change. Christ died that we might change from spiritual death to spiritual life and abundantly receive all that he has for us. And then we want to be empowered for change. Jesus is the only one that can help us to change through the person of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that that is the move of God that is coming upon this this time. As we prophetically align, God is prophetically aligning with us. It's the same thing that you saw in Acts 2 with the outpouring of the Pentecost. They believed in the promise that Jesus said, go and wait and I will come and I will If you want to that. feel free to come up after to the opening. You do You can stay in your seat. That's what sort we of... Are we ready to be empowered by the Holy Spirit? If we're not, God says, Get ready. Get ready. Do everything that you have to do to get ready for change. Get ready for the move of my Holy Spirit in an unprecedented way this year. Can you hear the Holy Spirit?